right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. John and Chuck will be back at some point in the future. Today, we are talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves, one of the many teams to acquire a big-name all-star player this offseason. So I will talk with my guest all about them and whether or not they have done enough to maybe reach the lofty goals they might have. If you want more Fast Break Breakfast, you can go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast and support our show. You can join our Slack chat where we talk about everything around the clock for $3 a month. We're also going to be doing our fantasy basketball signups very soon. So keep your eyes posted for that. We'll also announce those on Twitter. That'll be a part of the Patreon as well. Also, if you write a five-star iTunes review in the month of August, we will read it on air during one of our regular podcasts. We will give you a shout-out. You writing that five-star review helps us out in the iTunes rankings, and then you can plug whatever you want, say whatever you want, and we will read it as long as it is not horribly offensive. My guest today is a contributor for thestepback.com and a writer at the Timberwolves blog, A Wolf Among Wolves, Mr. Tim Fakeless. Tim, how are you? Keith, I'm good. I'm all right. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Can't complain. Wonderful morning. Uh, we, we start all our shows asking our guests about the breakfasts. Uh, what's, the last, yeah. what's the last breakfast you had? Oh, man, during the week, my breakfasts are incredibly boring. It's like a piece of fruit and coffee. Uh, weekends, I try to try to spice it up a little bit. Little eggs, little hash browns. But generally speaking, I'm a coffee and fruit guy in the, during the week. Well, we are talking in the week. What was your? Did you have fruit this morning? What was it? I had an apple with a uh, with a cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, see, that's a perfect breakfast. I mean, it's not an exciting. It's not a celebratory breakfast, but it's a functional. No. It's, a, it's a high functional breakfast. That's the breakfast of successful people. I'm gonna. That's what I'm saying. It's a breakfast on the go for people that don't have time to sit down and eat, eat eggs that they prepare. I don't have time for that. I'm sorry. I, it's delicious. Don't have time. Yeah, and you got to clean stuff. There's a pan yeah. you got to put in the sink, and like, and if you don't, Ugh. if you don't clean it immediately, someone else can see it, and it's like egg pan in the sink, and that's disgusting. Oh, so. and dried up egg in a pan that is hard to get out too, which is another ordeal in itself. Uh, c- cooking spray, Tim. Well, cooking spray, maybe. Anyway, even then, man. Even then. <laughs> yeah, even yeah. Then. All right. Well, we don't know each other very well. Were you a Timberwolves fan the last time they made the playoffs? Yes. I was 13 years old the last time they made the playoffs. I'd had, my dad's had season tickets since 1996. Oh, that's That cool. was the year they drafted Stefan, or rather traded on draft day for Stefan Marbury. Um, and I've been going to games with him ever since. I was five at that point. So uh, I've been a fan for basically all of Kevin Garnett's existence with the Wolves and beyond. Um, yeah, I was definitely a fan the last time they made the playoffs. They went to the conference finals. Lost to the Lakers. I still contend they would have beaten the Lakers had Sam Cassell been healthy, but that's a story for another day. 
It's, it's another one of those great uh, what-ifs, much like they're doing over at the stepback.com right now. A whole week of... Exactly. A whole week nice of... Nice plug. I, don't, I hardly ever plug the step back. So there you go. Uh, shout well out, you guys. Shout out us who are on the step back. So in all those years of Minnesota fandom, what is your... Do you have a favorite peak moment, like an apex of your Timberwolves fandom? Uh, oh, man, that's tough. There, there's a couple, and they both involve Kevin Garnett. Not shockingly, no, yeah. Right. Uh, the first one, the first one was in 2004, Game Seven, second round against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they win that game barely, I think, by one point or two points. Chris Weber barely misses a three that would have taken them to the conference finals. Are you, uh, are you telling me Chris Weber didn't come through in the clutch? Breaking news, right? Uh, but that was just one of the. It was one of the most incredible games ever. It was Kevin Garnett's birthday, uh, and he was the MVP that year. He completely dominated. Uh, I think, if I recall, he was the only one to make a field goal in the fourth quarter of that game. There's what? some guys that made some free throws. Yeah, uh, one of the most legendary playoff performances in NBA history. It's not really talked about because they didn't win the title that year, but. That game was incredible. Yeah, uh, we, I think the sec- I was gonna say I I'm think sorry, M- NBA has agreed we only talk about the playoff exploits of like five teams, like in any yeah. in, any non big team. We never talk about their uh, their playoff exploits. I'm a Grizzlies fan. Like last year's, yes, it was the first round. Last year's game four, mm-hmm. the Mike Conley versus Kawhi Leonard Spurs Grizzlies playoff game. If that sure, was like sure. if that was like Bulls Celtics, we would see it on NBA TV for the rest of our lives. But Alas. Right, and I, I'd even I'd even add to that that it's it's five teams and then LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron is like his own team, right? Like, a, had it been a Kyrie Irving game or something, I'm not sure that it would have been as big a deal. Anytime LeBron did anything ever in the last 13 years, it might be justified, but you're always going to hear about that as well. Yeah, completely um, true. All right, what what was your next memory? Well, the second one was Kevin Garnett's return to Minnesota when he got traded for Thaddeus Young. Uh, from the Brooklyn Nets, I was covering that game for, I think, Sporting News at the time, and I've never been in an atmosphere quite like that. I've been to playoff games. Um, I've been to conference finals games, but that was a unique game. The intro video, just watching him warm up after being away from the team for almost 10 years, uh, it, it was just such a unique experience. and. The, the team wasn't that good that year. Carl Anthony Towns was a rookie. It, uh, that I've, I've never seen an atmosphere quite like that. It was like, it was like the most popular kid in school coming back from, uh, I, this is a terrible comparison. Now I'm going to just <laughs> uh, get rid of it right now, but it's, it's really hard to encapsulate exactly what happened. Unless you were there. He, Kevin Garnett meant so much to Minnesota when he was here, his first go round him coming back was, it was just a magical game. They beat the wizards that night. Uh, I'll never forget that game. I don't, I don't want to insult your emotions or your mm-hmm. personal experience, but I don't think it's a uh, great, I don't think it's a great sign when, when like your second favorite franchise experience is a nostalgic tribute video in, in a regular season game. <laughs> it's, it's not a, fair. fair. <laughs> it's not the, it wasn't the video though. It was the, it was more of the atmosphere. Uh, it was 
Like even during the game, Kevin Garnett blocked a shot early on and he started doing the, the jumping and screaming that he did when he was like 23, 24 with the wolves that, you know, we just hadn't seen in a while. And it, a lot of it is nostalgia for sure. Um, I mean, we're talking about the Timberwolves for God's sake. No, no, sake, yeah, but, I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to put you down. I, I feel like, like, what if for me, Tony Allen was a hundred times better, and then like mm-hmm. he came back. That would that would be the feeling I would have. I guess, like, right. Obviously, right. Kevin Garnett was amazing for for a really long time. Uh, Tony Allen is a novelty for several years, and he's also the man I'm most emotionally attached to right now in the NBA. All right. Well, He's a wonderful man. <laughs> thank you for saying so. Uh, perhaps you guys will sign him. Um, the uh, bringing it to closer day uh, last year was yet yes. another underperforming season for the Timberwolves. What was the high point of last year? Was it Chris Dunn being named most likely to win rookie of the year in the rookie survey? <laughs> uh, no. No, 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 it was not that. In fact, that whole thing bugged me. If we just want to touch on that for a minute, because okay. Chris Dunn was never going to start for the wolves. Right. Uh, so people voting for him to be most likely was completely off of uh, people's assumption that he was the most NBA ready rookie because he played three years in college yeah. and nothing more than that. Uh, the high point for the wolves this season had to have been, there was a block in January where they looked like the team that I think people are hoping that they're going to be down the road where they won. I mean, it it wasn't a great year. They only won 30 some games, but uh, they had a winning record for something like a three, three and a half week block in January. They beat the Warriors in that stretch. They beat some other really good teams. Uh, And more importantly, they played well defensively, which uh, despite Tom Thibodeau coming in, not shocking to me, but surprising to some people, uh, he didn't magically turn them into the 2007, 2008 Boston Celtics right away. Uh, but that during that stretch, they played well defensively. Wiggins and Towns were great. Ricky Rubio was hitting shots. Uh, the downside of this was, uh, Zach Levine was, uh, sidelined with a torn ACL, but as a collective unit, they looked like the team that people are hoping that they're going to be down the road that would probably be the high point for me. All right. So bringing it to this current season where big picture wise, fantastic off season on the basis of acquiring Jimmy Butler in an apparently one-sided trade. So big picture wise, that's an amazing step for the Timberwolves. Now having Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony towns, they're as well set up as they, as they've been in, you know, since Garnett and Sprewell heyday. Um, how do they live up to that expectation? What are they going to have to do to live up to the hype and excitement that they've built with those big picture moves? They, they have to make the playoffs. I think, I mean, at this point it's been, we were just talking about how I was 13 years old. The last time the wolves made the playoffs or 14, whatever it might be. Uh, I'm 26 now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's time. They just acquired a, uh, a, I think he was an all NBA second or third teamer. He's a top 12 to 15 player in the NBA right now. They have Carl Anthony Towns who's well on his way to that status. They have Andrew Wiggins. Who's a 20 points per game guy. They, they brought in guys like Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague. They already have, uh, guys like Gorgie Jang. Uh, they have the roster makeup to make the playoffs and anything less than that at this point, I think is unacceptable, frankly, uh, if they want to, 
that's their expectation. So uh, w- how they get there, uh, whether they improve defensively or whether it's just more of a um, an offensive onslaught, sort of like last year, that's kind of what they relied on. Uh, although, to be fair, Jimmy Butler uh, brings a lot defensively that Zach Levine did not, um, you know, among a slew of other things. Uh, the playoffs are where they have to get. They improved too much to not get there, and it's been too long. All the moves Tom Thibodeau made were in an effort to make the playoffs, and I don't think there's any other uh, thought in Tibbs' mind as to where they need to be towards the end of the season. So you think just getting in will be enough for Timberwolves fans, starved for playoffs Timberwolves fans, to feel uh, okay about everything that's gone on? For this upcoming season? Yeah. Yes, I think making the playoffs will just, I think it'll be a weight lifted off Wolves fans' shoulders. I think they just want to see playoff basketball. I think guys like Butler and Cat are thinking bigger than that. And, you know, the bigger Wolves fans are probably thinking, well, what teams are better than them, at least on paper in the West right now? And I think the, I think you can make the argument that they can be a second round playoff team this year. I I don't think it'll happen. um, But, I think it's, I don't think it's out of the question. Um, so, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, yes, I think fans will be okay with just making the playoffs. There are some fans, my friend Zach Harper likes to say, there are some fans in Minnesota that if the Wolves won the title, they'd complain about the parade route. But uh, <laughs> I think for the good majority of fans that have stuck with this team, they're, they're just looking to see some playoff basketball. Yeah, so big picture, again, getting Jimmy Butler, incredible move. Little sure. little picture, looking at the rest of the roster moves this offseason, I'm not a very big fan. I don't feel like they did a, a great job at building a roster around, again, these two transcendent players, Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler. How do you feel it, it's all going to work? And I'm I, specifically, I thought getting Taj Gibson for... I think it was 14 million a year seemed highly questionable. Mm-hmm. Just bringing in Jamal Crawford seemed like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they need him at all. Like, like it's completely not what they need. So how, how did you feel about the extra roster moves they made? Uh, I liked the Gibson move only because it's, they signed him onto a two year deal for a reason. That's when uh, they're going to need to start looking towards maxing out guys like, uh, cat, uh, that's towards the end of Jimmy Butler's contract. So once those contracts expire, they have the opportunity to reload. That's why guys like Teague, uh, and Taj are on these two year deals or Teague has a two year deal and a third year player option. Um, as for Crawford, uh, they signed him because they desperately need wing depth. As far as his fit, I'm not a fan either. Uh, they need scoring off the bench, but that type of scoring, the streaky will hit uh, big some nights and disappear other nights. I'm not as big a fan of, I'm a fan of specialists. Anthony Morrow is still on the market. I like him. Tony Allen, as you talked about, is still on the market. I prefer him. I like guys that are really good at one thing, especially when you're talking about guys off the bench. Uh, so Crawford, I mean, he fits in terms of they just desperately need backcourt wing depth. He's their only backup wing as it stands right now. Yeah. Unless Nemanja Bielitsa is going to play off the bench and play some three. Uh, 
as for Taj, like I, there were some questions as to whether better guys were available. And I think you can make that case. Patrick Patterson signed for cheap. I think in my opinion, uh, with Oklahoma city, for example. Uh, but I mean, in fairness, the wolves biggest problems last year included defense and, uh, rebounding the basketball. And he fills both of those holes. He's not a stretch four by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he does do things that the wolves desperately need, uh, that they did not have last year. Uh, Carl Anthony towns defensively at his best, uh, took place when Kevin Garnett was on the floor with embarking orders. Uh, Taj Gibson is no Kevin Garnett, but he is a good defensive player and he's a vocal defensive player. And I think he can help bring a better defensive player out of towns, which I mean, they need. Right. I understand in theory, the idea of, yes, you're bringing in this good, you're bringing in a good veteran, a guy whose Tibbs has experience with in Chicago, but another fit of a guy who, who doesn't shoot, it just seemed like, mm-hmm. no, 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 like, we don't want two bigs. Like, we want someone who can stretch and defend multiple positions. Personally, if I was building, you know, in my own fantasy world, if I was building the Timberwolves roster, I was thinking they should have offered all that Gibson money to restricted free agent Jermichael Green. As a Grizzlies fan, I was like, man, like, if they'd use their money on Jermichael Green and C.J. Miles, like, I feel like the Timberwolves would be incredible and now I'm like, eh, they'll be fine. Right. But like, they're not going to be. Their ceiling is so low to me because they just went with another another non-shooting big guy. And again, streaky Crawford. No, that's fair. My question: You might know this better than me because we've debated this on. Uh, I host the Wolves Wired podcast with Zach Bennett. Uh, Jermichael Green. I mean, you can offer him that money, but the Grizzlies are just going to match that, aren't they? Don't they love Jermichael Green? I I think if the Timberwolves rolled out. 12 million a year. I don't think there was any way mm-hmm. the Grizzlies would have matched that in the first few days of free really? agency. I, that I is interesting. I, I think, I think, I think the Grizzlies have hit a point of self-awareness that, okay. that maybe I could be wrong. I mean, again, I'm, I, I'm not super plugged in, you know, like I, I don't have inside sure. sources or anything. Right. Um, like they, they let me know when the NBA schedule will be released. They don't let me know when, uh, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> anything, anything interesting. Um, so I think they, I think they were looking at their team at the beginning of the summer being like, yeah, we can't pay big money for this. Um, some people do think that they will kind of match whatever Jermichael Green goes with most Grizzlies bloggers and writers. I think we were talking about, I think there's no way anyone is going to offer him this much money. So the Grizzlies don't need to offer him that much money. But again, we never got there, you know, like, like no, no team sure. stepped up much like a lot of the other restricted free agents outside of Tim Hardaway jr. I, I, I think he was absolutely gettable for any team. Cause I, I know we Grizzlies fans, we were worried that the Hawks would step up. The nets would step up teams that had mm-hmm. a bunch of cap room. And I was always looking at the Timberwolves. Like that would be again in my mind, a great fit next next to Carl Anthony Towns, right. you know, like because he is versatile. You know, he's limited. He's not a he's not amazing, Jamichael Green by any stretch, but he can hit a shot, a low usage. He can hit threes. He can defend. You know, a couple positions. Like I thought it would have been that's yep, that's a perfect fit. And honestly, I was always under the impression that the Grizzlies kind of coveted him, and maybe maybe they did, and maybe that's why teams yeah. weren't swarming to try to get him. Uh, maybe they're saying you can offer him what you want. Unless it's out of this world, we're matching. 
I could be wrong, but either way, Green and Patterson were the two guys that yeah. I was really interested in. Taj, I like, I was good with. Um, definitely wasn't my favorite fit. Like I said at the beginning, uh, the the thing with Taj, the question with the Taj signing is, was there somebody better available? Did did uh, Thibodeau go and get Taj because of familiarity? Yeah. That's the big question. Um, I like the fit. I think there were better fits, I guess. Uh, but I'm okay with it. That's not something that I'm complaining about. I think in terms of what you said about, you know, if you got green, you got miles, that's great. Uh, that's a great offseason. I totally agree. Uh, I think ultimately there wasn't enough money for CJ miles after the Jeff Teague signing and the Taj Gibson signing. Right. My whole thing. Uh, and we haven't really even touched on Jeff Teague, uh, who I like, I don't know if I like him quite as much as Ricky Rubio. Who, uh, <laughs> I, I understand that, uh, Jeff Teague is going to be more of a catch and shoot guy, more of a scorer. The, uh, the ball is going to go through Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, which is the correct move. I agree with Thibodeau on that. Um, the problem with Teague is his catch and shoot numbers are uh, spotty. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was fantastic. Last year, he was not. The year before that, he was somewhere in the middle. So it's hard to know for sure what he what's going to happen with him. If you keep Rubio, who was on a cheaper deal, you can still sign Taj and then still get CJ Miles and then still get crop. Like th- there's just more cap flexibility with Rubio. So uh, it- it's hard to say for sure what the right move was. But well, th- that's another that's another reason where again I don't I don't love any of the moves they kind of made a- after Jimmy Butler. It seems like they need a point guard. They need more players who are low usage and don't require the ball. And I know that it right. doesn't make sense for, for Rubio. Yes, he has the ball and he's a good creator, but him being an unwilling shooter, that seems great. You know, like, like you have, right. Cause you have Carl Anthony Towns, you have Wiggins and Butler shots are going up. Like there's, there's no exactly. way there aren't enough shots for all those guys. And then to add Teague, a guy who is probably best if he's creating a little bit again, I don't know if he's fourth right, option. Right. Um, but it's just, so as you're saying, Getting Teague, you weren't super excited because I did want to ask you, like, what were your, your feelings moving on from Ricky Rubio, who, I guess, controversial, controversial a little bit in NBA circles. There's always the, the question of, like, how good is Rubio? And it seems like right. Timberwolves fans are always the ones going to bat for him. They're like, no, we love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing with Rubio. Um, like, every everyone that defends Rubio is aware that his shooting is good, first yeah. of all. Like, I think when people come and argue with you about uh, the value of a guy like Ricky Rubio and they come at you with, well, he can't shoot. It's like, we know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The point of Rubio is that despite his poor shooting, he does everything else well. And I'm not exaggerating that. He's a good rebounding point guard. He's a good defensive point guard. Obviously, the passing is there. He's vocal. He's, I mean, even intangibles, like on the bench, there's no one, there's no one more animated. There's no one pepping his team up more than Ricky Rubio. Uh, I could even talk about competitiveness. There's no one that gets angry over losses than Rubio since he joined the team. And there have been a lot of guys on this team. Kevin Garnett lauded him for that when he was with the team. Uh, so it, it, he makes up for the lack of shooting and it's, quantifiable in some advanced stats. Some, some don't like him as much because of the shooting, although it's true shooting percentage. 
is up there with uh, certain guys that I don't think you would expect him to be up there with because mm-hmm. he's a good free throw shooter and whatever else have you. Um, uh, but again, stats, stats can manipulate a lot of things. Uh, the thing with Teague is you lose the defense that Rubio brings. The shooting, you don't know what you're going to get. It's going to be better than Rubio's. The question is how much. And the playmaking is obviously substantially worse. Uh, again, the playmaking is mostly going to go through Butler. There's obviously going to be some pick and roll between Teague and uh, Towns, a la what happened in Atlanta with Teague and Horford back in the day. Um, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where the play of Teague uh, brings out more productivity than the play of Rubio, or so much more yeah. than uh, how much he made, I guess, if that makes any sense. No, oh, yeah, I got you. Um, I'd be remiss to not talk about Wiggins a, a little bit. A lot of criti- <laughs> a lot of criticism about, you know, again, again, we're nitpicking. Uh, Timberwolves fans, yes, you got Jimmy Butler. Things are looking good for you guys. But uh, sure. the, uh, the the Wiggins Butler fit seems really strange, and there's always questions about how good actually is Andrew Wiggins. And now we have the thing with a max contract offer being on the table and him firing his agent. Uh, I don't know if he's just trying to screw the guy or whatever. So how good is Andrew Wiggins? Are you in favor of the max contract? Uh, there's two questions for you to chew on. Uh, I'm a big fan of Andrew Wiggins. I, I agree that there are certain limitations to his game that uh, have uh, garnered criticism and some of it is justified. He's not there defensively yet. Uh, some people were, I mean, when he was getting Scotty Tiffin comparisons out of Kansas, my question was, have you watched Kansas this year? That he is not Scotty Tiffin. He's, he, was, he wasn't a good ball handler when he came out. He wasn't a great defender when he came out. And uh, so that was all silly. Now, fast forward to 2017, Andrew Wiggins has improved substantially handling the ball. And the one skill that I don't think people realize that he has um, because of the numbers don't reflect it. He is a good passer. Uh, he didn't really garner that many assists because Ricky Rubio was on the team. Carl Anthony Towns was on the team, but his ability to drive and kick, uh, is something that I don't think people realize is there. He's a much better passer than people realize. He's really good at finding the open shooter. He's a willing swing passer. He's not a black hole by any means. Uh, In my opinion, the numbers don't accurately reflect how good offensively he is. Defensively, he has a long way to go. Uh, Frankly, he's just not a good defensive player right now. And I think that's where the most criticism is deserved. Uh, Offensively, I like him next to Butler. There's definitely a little bit of redundancy there. Uh, But I think Butler is a good enough playmaker and just a good enough overall player for them to make it work. it, it, that's my opinion anyway. Right. And and you're definitely more informed. Watch a lot more Timberwolves than I do. M- my, my take or my consideration question about him. And apparently this isn't original. I've seen other people say this uh, online <laughs> it, online as well is, is he reminds me in some ways of Rudy Gay where Rudy Gay, when he was on the Grizzlies early on, it was like, Hey, this is a really talented physical guy. He's not super outspoken. And everyone's like, Hey, you got to be more aggressive. You got to shoot. You got to become a score. You need to become the man. And similar to Wiggins, he kind of did that. Like Rudy Gay in his second year was scoring 20 points per game. And then, it, and then people realized, Oh wait, it, it's actually better if you don't shoot all the time. 
you need to play with others and kind of move. And you're saying Wiggins is a will, more willing passer. And Rudy Gay was a willing mm-hmm. passer. It just wasn't natural to him. And so, and then it became, oh, are the Grizzlies better if they get rid of Rudy Gay and just put in a guy who won't shoot and can just kind of fit in? So all, right. that, all that to say, is Andrew Wiggins better than Rudy Gay? I think so. Well, first of all, and maybe maybe you'll agree with me on this. Maybe you won't. I think there's been, there's a stigma on Rudy Gay, and there has been his whole career. Yeah, just nationally that I don't get. Rudy Gay is good, first of all. Um, so like to say he's better than Rudy Gay. Yeah, I think he's going to be better than Rudy Gay. He's averaged over 20 points a game every year he's played in the league. He may have been just under it. I'm talking Wiggins now. Yeah. Uh, he was, may have been just under his rookie year, but he's 20 plus points a game consistently. Uh, he shot 36% from three last year, which is on par with, I think, Rudy Gay's career numbers, give or take. Uh, but to your point, you said that uh, the passing for Gay wasn't natural. It, it feels natural for Wiggins. He's not, it, it, it doesn't feel like he's in the, it feels like he's, it's part of the flow of the offense when he drives and kicks, when he swings at whatever have you. Uh, he's Part of that, I think, is his ball handling has improved so much over the last couple of years that uh, it's making it easier for him to showcase his passing. Uh, as far as the future goes, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where Wiggins doesn't end up being better than Rudy Gay. The sure. two comparisons that I hear the most are Rudy Gay and then DeMar DeRozan. And I guess my question is what, what's the difference between DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay? Uh, because I, I think you can hear similar uh, criticisms for DeRozan that you can for Gay. And DeRozan's the worst shooter of the three of them yeah. uh, when it comes down to it. But he's more considered, uh, he's the all-star shooting guard. So well, uh, he, he makes his contested mid-range shots. Which is the Fair. which is the, the biggest difference? Rudy Gay takes a lot of them, but not not that great at him. Sure. Okay, that's fair. Um, I think Wiggins. If you're going to make a comparison, he he hits those shots too. Uh, there was a point <laughs> at the beginning of this this last season where, I mean, he was his numbers were insane. He was like Magic era Tracy McGrady for a minute, yeah. and then he fell off for a little bit, and then he came kind of he kind of found his groove. I think at least at this point in his career, he's 22. Uh, he, he was putting up, you know, 20 some points, 22 to 25 points, five ish rebounds, two, three, four, five assists, uh, a game. I think that's going to be the norm for him going forward. I think the points will go up probably. Uh, but it's really hard for me to compare him to a guy like, Rudy Gay in part because I think I like Rudy Gay more than most people. Yeah. Uh, so I don't necessarily see that as a criticism, but to answer your question, yeah, I think he's better than Rudy Gay because uh, I think he's further along than Gay was when he was in Memphis. And that's not a knock on Rudy. I just, I just think he's a little bit more versatile at this point. Personally. Yeah. To, to, to further clarify, I mean, although most Wolves fans probably turned off the podcast when I, when I asked the question, I, I do agree. Rudy, <laughs> Rudy Gay has a stigma. And I think I don't think the stigma was there his first couple of years, but I think once the once the he gets traded away and the team does better, narrative began 
I don't know, like entrenching itself in like NBA Twitter and things. He definitely grew a stigma. Sure. And then being on the Kings was tough. I'm still a Rudy Gay like believer. I, I'm I'm cheering for the Rudy Gay redemption story in San Antonio. Right. Watching the Kings, I was like, why won't you just play him power forward besides Boogie Cousins? You know, like like he's a perfect. Oh my god! Like the I way know. the way the I NBA know. has gone, he's perfect at that. They would have been perfect. And I mean, to be clear, Kings fans and bloggers, the guys that like Sacktown royalty, they love Rudy Gay. Yeah. So that, that needs to be mentioned too. Like they swear by him. So yeah. well, I mean, yeah. there, there is a lot of backing for Rudy, especially when he found that new situation. Yeah. Yeah. Rudy had a really good year before last, but again, it was completely hidden out, out in Sacramento, but, but also, so Wiggins is definitely a more fluid, better offensive player it's than Rudy Gay, you know, has ever been. And so I guess the question was like, can Wiggins do more with rebounding and getting some deflections, some steals that Rudy Gay did do, you know, uh, to help out. But so right. he's obviously young and, and, you know, that, that'll be, I guess that that's like the huge, it's one of the huge questions for the Timberwolves. Cause if they do max him right. up, that's like the last move of this franchise for the next several years. Yeah, well, uh, other than maxing Cat eventually. Right, right, right. uh, As far as new talent. The other thing, as far as his rebounding goes, I've talked to Britt Robeson, who's like this legendary basketball writer. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. Um, He used to write for SI.com, and now he's, I don't want to say semi-retired, but he he writes for a local place called MinPost. Anyway, uh, his point is, and I think I agree with him, if you ask Andrew Wiggins to go get seven, eight rebounds a game or to get five, six assists per game, I think he could do it. I think he's doing exactly what Tom Thibodeau and previously Clip Saunders are asking him to do. And um, if if they wanted if they wanted him to focus more on rebounding or focus more on playmaking, I don't think that would lend itself to the skills that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one point that I'd make. They they want him to focus on improving his three point shot, which he has, and improving his ball handling, which he has. And if the, if he keeps up that trajectory. I don't see why he won't look better this year, for example. All right. So last thing, wrapping up, looking at the expectations for this season, you've already said for you, a goal is just make the playoffs. You think making the playoffs is, is a great next step for this franchise. So what, what can this team do to improve on some of the big issues from last year, which were, they were terrible at defense and they didn't shoot any mm-hmm. threes. Like, will will they finally start shooting threes? Or looking at the roster, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel like... It feels like the Wolves no. right now are the question, what's the best you can be without shooting any three-pointers and not being great at defense? Well, I mean, yeah. They're not going to shoot any threes this year. They <laughs> traded their best three-point shooter for Jimmy Butler. So, um, getting Jimmy's great, but the three-pointers are going to go down. Two that point though they were a top 10 team in terms of offensive rating last year despite being the worst three-point shooting team in the league uh so tom Thibodeau has figured out a way for them to be an efficient offense uh albeit without the three-point shot the big question for me is defense uh jimmy butler and taj gibson are going to help with that immensely uh but it's it all really comes down to what cat and wiggins are going to be able to do Jeff Teague is obviously going to have to hold his own as well. Uh, but Cat and Wiggins, despite all of their, uh, you know, offensive output, they weren't good defensive players. And if they can go from bad to moderate, honestly, at this point, that's a step in the right direction. If they can eventually become good defensive players, I especially think Cat could become 
a good shot blocker, a good uh, post presence uh, defensively, that would be huge. I think that takes them to the next level because I think offensively they're going to figure they're going to figure it out. They have too much firepower for that to happen, for that not to happen. Um, it really comes down to the defense for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, last question. We've gone a, gone a little bit long, but one more. Carl uh, Anthony Towns, obviously, sure. obviously incredible. Why isn't he a better defensive player? Like, is he a bad defensive player? It's one of those confusing things where it seems like he's good, but then you look at the stats and you look at the Timberwolves overall stats. So, like, mm-hmm. what's 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 his hindrance? He is bad at just like making reads, knowing when to switch. Um, he he's not great at uh, recognizing screens when they. He's not good at staying with his man. Like sometimes when he sees a shot blocking opportunity with a guard that's driving mm-hmm. he'll leave his guy and try to and get ready to go for the block and point guards in the NBA are good. So they're going to see that the center has left his man. So then I, the center will get an easy land. That happens a lot. Um, it, again, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, but it happened less with Kevin Garnett there, who was basically just barking orders and telling cat where to go. Uh, he He's just not, mature on that end he's he's mature like a like a wizard on offense but uh defensively he just he gets too excited and he it's clear that he focused more on becoming a polished offensive player he's a good shot blocker he's a good rebounder he's obviously an athletic freak he's a specimen uh i think he can figure it out especially with a coach like tom thibodeau taj gibson should help in that regard uh but yeah, the big problem is just IQ in terms of uh, his defensive uh, issues in the last couple of years. But again, his defensive potential is there. Uh, it's just a matter of when he's going to reach it. And he said in press conferences, he knows that's an issue. Uh, and if there's anything I know about Cat, it's if he knows that there's a, a fault in his game, he's going to work on it until it's not just not a fault, but you know something that he can brag about being good at. Hopefully he will. He'll, hopefully he'll get a handle on that defense, and the Wolves will be pretty good. I'll be pulling for him. I have I have no ill will towards that franchise. I'm 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 all about cheering for them, and seeing if uh, you know Wiggins, Butler, Towns can all be top three in the NBA in minutes with Jang just still drifting behind top twenty if we're lucky. Oh, oh, you know that'll happen. And yeah, <laughs> there's there's no ill will from the Wolves to the Grizzlies either. I think, nice. I think they played each other once. No, they never played each other in the playoffs. I don't think. No, never. Take that back. I was we, thinking back to the Pogus. We right traded now. you. Uh, we traded you, uh, Kevin Love for OJ Mayo, and maybe what was that Marco? Oh, thank you Marco for that, by the way. was a Yurichich Yard. What's that guy's name? Marco Yarich. Yeah, yeah. We Did traded you guys him. Get Marco in we, that oh, trade. Oh yeah. Oh, we got oh, him. God. I don't even remember if it was in that trade, oh. but we had him. I, I think it was in that oh, trade. Well. <laughs> well, sorry about that. No worries. I I enjoyed. If, it. If I want to say you he... feel any better. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, they got Marco Yarich by trading away Sam Cassell and a first round pick. Uh, which bad trade shouldn't have done that. Anyway, <laughs> that's great. Well, Tim, thanks for your time. Tell people where they can find you on the internet and check your stuff out. Uh, I'm at a wolf among wolves and the step back, stepback.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter. T I M F A K L I S. All right, man. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks to Tim for coming on. It was a really fun talk, fun guy to talk to. Hopefully have him on 
some other time. All right, if you want to support our program, you can do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. If you want a fast break breakfast sticker, here's a thing. Just send me a Twitter DM with your uh, address. I'll mail you a sticker. I got some fast break breakfast stickers to give away. The idea to give them away, I stole from the Round Ball Rock podcast, which is hilarious. I'm a big fan. Anyway, you can also follow us on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Like us on Facebook. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, no apologize for being G&G. Fast Break Break, man. You understand?